This is Rashawn Slater, first-round draft pick for the L.A. Chargers, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Bolt up. Hello, and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news. We preview and review every Chargers game, and we bring you the hottest takes around. This week, Chargers win with a last-minute field goal after a six-minute, five-second final drive. Justin Herbert at the wheel, taking us down the field. Dustin Hopkins finishing it off. We leave Philly with a win. We top the AFC West and all is good in the land of the Bolts. I'm joined by two fellow heroes who are going to be waxing lyrical and finding some of the flaws in the charges. Are they the real deal? Are they pretenders? We still don't know. Number one it is the guy that's stealing my land in my native home, John Boz Jr. Where are you, buddy? Uh, and Luthier, so southeast Spain, for those that you don't know, uh, near a town called Arbalea, just in the foothills of Severa, Nevada Mountains. Got my flip-flops on, it's 25 to uh, 10 in the evening, weather's great, food's even better. What do you want? And the Chargers won. <laughs> it is bliss. Well, from soggy Bolton, I send my regards to sunny Spain, <laughs> and even sunnier California, I presume, where Mr. John Ayres is. How are you doing? Well, actually, I'd be doing better if I was in sunny Southern California. Unfortunately, Southern California is starting to look a lot like our uh, <clears throat> your, your homeland there. It's very foggy, very chilly, very cloudy. I don't like it. It's very dull. Oh, no. Maybe you've got some of the Bolton Blues where it's torrential sideways wind, 11 degrees and horrific. Uh, enough of the usual Brit talk about the weather. Let's get on to matters at hand. The charges. You know, gave us some frights. I think the D didn't look particularly great. But one thing we can always rely on it is that Herbert, we didn't have anything to worry about. He is the real deal. His performance was above 80% completion. Incredible passing stats. Two touchdowns. So impressive yet again. Was, you know, did you worry? Did you think he was gone? Or, you know, were you expecting him to do this away from home? No, no I didn't expect him to be gone, uh, if that's what you're saying. You know, he's had a two-game skid where he didn't perform well. And we spoke on uh, Friday night about pro sportsmen and women across the board struggling at times. Herbert's too good to go on a long stretch um, without a a good performance. And this is going to sound strange with nine games left, but this could arguably be one of the most important games of the season because... I personally believe from from my chair that Brandon Staley was probably feeling a little bit of pressure. You know, he's, he's got to make, um, I don't want to say a signature statement win, but, but he's got to make a statement with a positive performance. And it doesn't matter how you win in the National Football League. You, the, the W is the most important thing. Uh, again, we see the Chargers taking a team down to the wire, but that's why you have 60 minutes on the clock. Use every second of every game and try and get that W. But I'm just, I'm just really pleased for the for the team, you know, to yeah, bounce back off those two horrendous losses, and, and they were bad, you know. Um, yeah. It's good to see Herbert operating as we know he can do at a high level. It's great. Well, we know good teams don't lose three on the bounce, you know, and so this was a really important game for the team. John, was it ever in doubt? Were you thinking over time we were going to shank a last minute kick, or did you always have faith? Um, I mean, I had my ups and downs, uh, you know, I felt like the game was never out of reach, which was good. Uh, you know, as opposed to the last two games where it felt like, 
like obviously the Ravens game from from almost the get go it felt like that game had gotten out of reach. And when the Patriots game, even though they were you know in it for most of the game, it just didn't feel like they they were gonna win. It just you just had this feeling like eh, I don't think they're gonna pull this one off, and then it didn't happen. So uh, the Eagles game though, I don't know. It just it felt like they kind of could do what they want. The first half, mm, I think so, a bit unlucky. Uh, in my opinion, that they they went that night was at 95 yards and then got stuffed on the goal line. Again, questionable uh, play calling there in the red zone, in my opinion, by by Lombardi. Um, we could talk more about Lombardi later, but, um, you know, the, so they ended up not scoring at all. And then they get the ball back and then they score in the next possession going like 60 something yards. So it's like they probably could have had two scores back to back if they needed to. And then the second half, I think they all their possessions ended in, in points. I think two two field goals and, and two touchdowns or something like that. So, I mean, it basically, it felt like they could kind of do whatever they wanted. Uh, so I didn't really ever feel like it was out of reach. Yes, I was nervous. I mean, obviously, you're always nervous, especially when you get to the point where you're like, oh, we're going to have to kick a field goal to win this, huh? Especially after Dustin Hopkins misses an extra point. I don't know how you can be player of the game and get game ball or whatever <laughs> and uh, and miss an extra I thought we point. had Vizcaino back for a moment. I know. I was like, oh, my God. Not again. Like, what is it? You just forget how to kick when you come to the Chargers? I don't understand it. But, um, you know, the, he, he did it. They, they did it. A really gutsy final drive there. Had uh, I think it was they had six, seven, six minutes, seven seconds left when they got the ball. And they ate up six minutes and five seconds to kick the field goal. I mean, that's how you win games, right? That's you say, hey, isn't it? you know, if, if, if you get there and you score quickly – you get lots of time to the other team. If you give up, if if you if you don't score at all and you give time to the other team, they could possibly go back and win it. But taking the ball, driving it all the way down, taking six minutes and five seconds off the clock, you basically just say, look, we got the ball last, we're going to win. And that seems to be a, a, a common theme with, um, with Staley. He wants to have the ball last. He wants to be able to just drain the clock and get the final score. And, you know, if they can do that, that's great. You know, I'd, I'd love to see that again. He trusts Herbert. And, you know, how many years did we see Rivers that we all loved fail to go and win the game or bring us back into the game with final drives and some embarrassing moments? I remember when he tried to kick a ball. It was a lateral to Rivers <laughs> that he tried to punt against the Titans. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and then Herbert gets in his hand with a chance to win the game. He's going to win the game. You know, you just have that faith in him. And it's not just that. It's not just about Herbert. It's about Staley's boldness. We went, we went 15 plays. Six minutes, five, you know, um, over 60 odd yards to get into field goal range. Two fourth, um, two fourth downs that we converted as well. You know, how many years would we have punted that away and then lost the game or gone for a 50 odd, 59 year yard field goal at one point? Probably missed. But actually, no, Staley says, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to give you no time left. I'm going to ram it down your throat because because the old charges have gone. The voodoo has disappeared. And that's my favourite thing about this. We might not quite be Super Bowl contenders. Maybe not quite there. Maybe we're still a work in progress to get there, playoffs and see how far we go. But the old charges of blowing these things away is gone. You know, I have full faith that Herbert <coughs> is going to do it and and, and, and win the game. So um, I really liked hear that. I love two things that I'm going to throw out to you guys. Going back to you, John, first. Storm Norton, incredible performance. Keenan Allen responds. Which of those two is better, or you know, do you think both of them are equally impressive that they came into the game and just rewrote their narratives? 
Um, I mean, I don't know if Keenan Allen really rewrote a narrative. I think he just erased the narrative that was starting to form. I think that's more appropriate for Allen. And, you know, if, if you read my DFS blog, which you should, um, you know, I called Keenan Allen out again for the second second week in a row uh, as a great DFS play. He And he produced again with about 20 points, like I said. So uh, I, I think teams have decided they, they don't want to, they, they don't really want to let Mike Williams beat them deep. And Keenan Allen's like, great. I don't need to be tripled covered every, every time. So, and he just, honestly, he just makes everybody, you, you try to give him zone uh, or man. I mean, he, he eats it up. doesn't matter what you throw at him. Unless, unless you bracket him, you know, a la Megatron status, unless you bracket him, there's really no way to stop getting on in my opinion. So it's good to see him picking it back up and, and not losing any faith in himself. And I think I don't really ever had that fear, by the way, in Kenny Allen. I didn't, he's never struck me as somebody who's going to get down on himself and, and doubt himself. So he packs um, himself, <clears> Yeah, I, I knew he was gonna come back. Storm Norton, too good, man. Yeah, Storm Norton. Yeah, I was good to see the Storm Norton had a good game, but I mean, I've rewatched the game now, and I will say, I don't know how much of that is Storm Norton and how much of that was actually a much better job by Lombardi um, to kind of scheme up ways to keep him from really getting beaten too badly. You know, part of that is you know extra chip blocks on that side. Uh, part of it was designed rollouts and bootlegs, which by the way, where the hell have those been all season? Again, this is my problem. Like we should be doing those from day one. You've got Herbert, man. He can roll out to the right, throw across his body and drop a dime for 60, 70 yards. Why aren't we doing that at least once a game? I mean, that is, it's, just, it's something unique that only he can do. And we should be scheming that up more often. But anyways, the point is uh, I, I think Allen, it was nice for me to see Allen going on. I, I don't, I, I don't think Norton's a real deal thing. I think that was just, Hey, no, we figured out. Know. Yeah. I think they figured a, a, they schemed a way to get him uh, to be, have less responsibility and he did just fine in that role. So, um, you know, I think it, it was an overall, a good job by the O-line yesterday from a pass blocking standpoint, run blocking is another story. They just, they're completely trash blocking for the run i mean eckler did everything he could to squeeze as many yards out of every run and he was still you know sub 80 yards it's just on the ground it's just it's i mean it is what it is right like the, the run blocking needs to improve but um you know honestly if we can if we have got herbert slinging it like he is why who cares <laughs> I mean, yeah who cares? Be, a, be a passing team i mean was storm norton is he, is he your boy now i mean next to him the highest pfs h pfa God's sake, the highest PFF. PFF, PFF. I can't, I can't get it out. PFF grade was from Matt Filer. So, is that impacting Storm? Is it the chip blocking, or is he just now no. the elite player we always thought? Matt, Matt Filer's been there all season. Uh, is any? I don't think we've been giving him enough credit for the performance he's producing on the field. Um, Rashawn Slate is a real deal. Going back to Storm Norton, he needs to have a good game. We called him out last week and the week before. I think he gave up eight pressures last week. He gave up two this week. But he can't keep going on, you know, producing those poor performances. And at some point, it was bound to have a good game. Let's see what happens next week. Um, if he has another productive game where he's only given up two or three pressures at most, okay, we can kind of live with that because at the minute, he's sticking a, uh, a plaster on the wound. He, he's not a long-term uh, right tackle solution. Uh, we've got to go and find one either in free agency or the draft next season. Yeah, but yeah look, credit, credit, to, credit to everybody, you know, uh, for, for stepping up. But actually, Bez, I just want to rewind slightly to something you yeah, said go about, for it. you know, Dustin uh, making that conversion. We shouldn't have put ourselves in that position. We had chances throughout that game. We had a long drive where we didn't convert. You know, we need to stop putting ourselves in the position where we're chasing the yards. game. 
Yeah, 98 yards. I think that's a is, <laughs> might be an NFL record in, in recent in the Super Bowl it era. Must be. But for, come on, you know, I, and yes, Bez, I do agree. This is not the same old Chargers. Um, but I, I'm, I'm sure John's seen this, you know, more m- many times. You know, teams across the league failing to work, capitalize and leaving points on the field. And we nearly did that on, on Sunday. That would have been criminal to lose that game. But look, we didn't take those chances. We had to rely on a uh, field goal at the end, and special teams stood up for once. But uh, again, just just credit to the to the team the way they bounced back. Instead of feeling sorry for themselves, um, they actually bounced back. And defense, Kaiser White had another stonking game. Linville Joseph had a good game, you know. Um, and we we just need to keep keep the momentum going now. Pick up the wins. If anybody read my blog from last week on chargedupbolts.com, I predicted the team would go um, finish at a ten and seven record, which means we're going to win. We're going to go five and four down the stretch, uh, and, and I think that's achievable. I mean, the AFC, what is going on? What is going on? Eleven teams with five wins or more in in the in the conference. That is absolutely crazy. John, have you? When was the last time you saw this? Um, so many teams with five wins or more. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's not common. I think part of it is a scheduling thing. They The AFC West yeah. hasn't played each other a lot, so they've got opportunities to win outside the division. <clears throat> I think it says that the AFC West is a lot tougher division than people realize, you know. I think, you know, we all were get, we're all piling on the Broncos about how, you know, we, they're frauds, they played all these junky teams, and they go and beat the, the, the Cowboys, which is a very impressive win. So yeah, very good There's game. something there. Crazy. Uh, sc- scares me because, I mean – that recipe of success, 190 whatever yards on the ground between Williams and, and Gordon, uh, that's exactly how you beat the Chargers. Um, the two of them, I don't know how you could, I don't know how you could stop either of them. Like if I'm them, you know, that that's a recipe for disaster for the Chargers defense right now. So uh, the Broncos are impressive. The Raiders obviously have played well so far this season, uh, and of course the Chiefs are always the Chiefs, regardless of what the record is. So I mean, I think just seeing the five teams all together uh, at or see the four teams all at five wins uh, is not surprising. But I think that, yeah, it doesn't really happen often, just mostly because of the scheduling things. But, I mean, it's pretty cool to see. It is really exciting. You know, it's a great division. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more after this break about our return game. Uh, we're going to talk about why I think linebacker is definitely where we're going with the first-round pick and why these guys disagree with me. But we're back after this. Hey there, Bolt fam. It's your boy, Adderjoid Ayers, hashtag Audible Chocolate. And I'm here in the Herbert Hangar with another great opportunity for you to win big with our partners at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Well, it's week 10, and as you can tell, my voice is a little shot. Well, that's because I was busy rooting for the Chargers against the Eagles this weekend. What a great win, and I'll be there at SoFi this weekend to watch the Bolts take on the Minnesota Vikings. And guess what? I'm predicting a big score. And guess what? You can capitalize on that thanks to our good friends at DraftKings. If you bet $1 on either team to score a point, which I'm pretty sure is going to happen, you're going to win $100 in free bets. That's right, $1.00. Uh, for any team to score one point, and you get $100 in free bets. That is easy money. Now, if you're situated in a place like me, like the Herbert Hanger, where we don't quite get the sports book uh, yet, no problem. They have their DFS. That's right. Their daily fantasy sports option is amazing. I love it. I use it all the time. In fact, I bet a few shekels last week and came out ahead, if you know what I mean, betting on my boy Keenan Allen to tear up the Eagles defense. So if you want to get uh, an opportunity to win some of those huge cash prizes, if you are a new subscriber to their daily fantasy sports option, guess what? They're going to give you free entries, which are opportunities for you to get 
millions of dollars in total cash prizes. It is as easy as that. So how do you do it? Well, you need to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. That's right. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So first of all, we have a running game, a return game. You know, uh, I definitely agree. Thank you, uh, Michael Snow, for this. We we do. He he looked average towards the beginning of the game. I wasn't particularly convinced. And then he came up big a couple of times throughout the game with some lovely returns. On, um, you know, is is the special teams seems to be in parts coming together from being absolute dead last and an embarrassment to being something slightly respectable. I mean, was. Was it? You know, are you comfortable with this? Do you think Roberts is the real deal? Um, I, I was happy with it. I, I, I thought fine. Anything but if, if they're not muffing it, fumbling it, or going backwards twenty yards into the end zone for a touchback, then I'm pretty happy. Yeah, you've got to be happy. It's, it's positive, as we said last week. You know, these are upgrades on what we had before, but we're just going to keep that going now. Um, any positive action between? now and week 18 is, is welcome on any phase of the game because we're going to need all the help we can get we've got a long stretch now to keep mm -hmm. all those key players healthy keep them out the trainers room so touch wood. yeah fair play yeah exactly touch wood fair play to special teams you know not perfect but it's an improvement or what we've seen and the fact that a special teams player got the game ball you know sums up where we are and maybe that's kinology by Brandon Staley but he's the head coach he gets paid to make those decisions and we've got to support him we've got to, we've got to stand by him and stand by what the team are doing so it's a big thumbs up for me yeah what about you John I mean <clears throat> look it's it's hard not to get excited about not having the worst special teams in the history of the NFL. So it's the I mean, best thing to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what am I supposed to do about? Uh, excuse me again. Like I said in that in my little ad there, uh, I've kind of lost my voice here. So you can only yell at your TV so many times before you lose your voice. It's just it's just what happens. Guys. Sorry. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, the uh, you know it's it's great to see the special teams like they're coming together, and you know what. It's again, I, I don't necessarily say that there's exceptional blocking going on in front of Roberts. I think he's just, yeah, I think he's got some juice and I think he's decisive. And I think that's what it is, yeah, right? Like sometimes that's all it is. That's he just says, hey, Look, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going. And he's got an ability, he's got a pretty, he's got pretty good vision. And I think we saw that on his little end around too, you know, his little, uh, uh, his, his one uh, offensive play that he got. I think he, he has some vision. I think I wouldn't expect to see him get more and more implemented into this offense moving forward. I think he is kind of, I think he's who they thought Joe Reed might be when they, yeah. you know, when they invested mm -hmm. in him. Yeah. I think they, that's what they hoped. Maybe someone like a KJ Hill or someone like that would be, but again, none of them really panned out. I think Roberts gives you that special teams boost. And I think he can give you a little bit of electricity on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm very happy with him right now. Him and Hopkins have been great additions. Um, you know, and I think that that's a job well done. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot more that needs to be worked on. 
So every week I have to ruin this podcast with a hot, ridiculous take. And here it comes. I don't disappoint my fans. Um, you know, I, I'm really starting to get on the linebacker in the first round train. I really am. And the reason why is we do need a defensive interior lineman, right? But, but we've heard Telesco say that they're hard to grade and that you don't take one of those in the first oh, yeah. round. They're hard to grade or he's hard to grade them because Probably I think he hasn't got to I, yeah. it, he, he's bad at in general grading, in my opinion. I think, I mean, look at his running back choices with the exception mm -hmm. of Austin Eckler, who's fallen to, who fell into his lap as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. He had to go get him, pick him up, but it was again, low cost, whatever high upside thing. He's been awful at drafting that. Uh, I honestly don't think he's been very good at drafting wide receiver to be perfectly honest. I don't think, I mean, I mean, he had, He's he had two hits, and then after that, he's like, okay, well, if I get first round talent or a, a first round talent that falls to me in the second round because of an injury, both, yeah. both gifts, both gifts. If I don't, if I'm not gifted a talent at my position, I've got to actually sit there and research and grade these guys. I'm pretty bad at it. I really think he's bad at grading uh, prospects. What's my proof? My proof is he can't draft anybody outside of the third round. After the third round, it's a complete crap show. Why? Because he's just not good at grading prospects. I, I, I think that's what it is. You give him an elite talent that falls to him, sure. You've got a no-brainer like ASJ falling to you in round two. Of course you're going to you draft him. Well, yeah, of course you right? are. Right? You've got Keenan Allen falling to you in second. Of course you're going to take him, right? I'm sorry. I just, like, I can't get on board of his being a good draft, draft uh, prospect grader in the draft until I see it happen. So, But it's still back to the fact that he just doesn't believe in his, his abilities to draft grade. The, the, the defensive lineman. So I don't think we're going to take one in the first round. And so then you think, okay, you know, was is committed to the right, right tackle to go and fix Brian Belaga's and Storm Norton's weaknesses over there. No, I don't think you take a right tackle in the draft. And I don't think the, the most elite one is going to be with us. I think you're going to be looking second, third round or free agency to fill that gap. Linebacker is a problem. Kenneth Murray might return this week, but he's been injured. He's been poor. He's not got the instincts. Tranquil looks fast on the field, but at times is lost in coverage. Amen. No, thank you. And Kazir White can flash, look great in our wins, but has looked poor in our defeats. And he struggled keeping hold of Jalen Hurts. He was shadowing him at times. He and Tranquil at different times had the assignment to, to spy the quarterback and they just couldn't get it done. And Jalen Hurts gashed us time and time again. So I think an elite first round linebacker, you can get him mid to late first round even early second, potentially, if he drops. I think that that is the way the charges will go. Why am I wrong, Was? You've actually got a valid point, Bez. But <laughs> we, all, we know that we need, we know that we need uh, strength on the offensive line. We know we need an edge rusher. We need a linebacker. We also need a cornerback. Chris Harris is last year. Is he going to get another year? I don't think so. Okay, uh, his last so, year was last year. I haven't seen him show up to a single game this year. <laughs> Very true. But look, that's another skill position that we require. So, and we have got no clue whatsoever where our season will end. You know, whether it's going to be um, a low draft pick or a high draft pick, I would probably say we're going to be somewhere around anywhere between the 12 and the 18 mark in, in the first round. And it's whether or not we've got the kahunas or the strategy to trade and get a couple of first round picks at the cost of future years it's all for the front office to fix but this, this we, we've got too many problems across the you know um defense and offense that need fixing and thank the lord that we've got justin herbert and rashawn uh, rashawn slater because had those two positions been a worry we, we you know 
we really are in the thick of it. So your, your point's valid. And it's whether or not the front office decide to go with those skill positions that I've just mentioned and pick the best available or they, or they target an area and stick with it. My personal opinion is they still go with the offensive line. But look, if a generational player lands on our lap, you're not going to turn it down. No, so you don't turn him down. And I mean, you can't. Point, it's impossible. No, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I mean, one of the things, one of the big themes of the of recent games, particularly on Sunday, John, for me, was the fact that old man Chris Harris Jr. is not an NFL player anymore. He's slow. He's twenty yards away from his man. He's falling down. Can't cover. Can't tackle. So actually, maybe corner, slot corner, maybe some rotational secondary options could be there mid to late second round uh, first round um are you worried about chris harris do you think he's past it or is it just coming back from injury gonna take some time i think he's washed i think he's done and yeah injuries play part into it but he just he doesn't look like the same player he's chris harris senior out there he's not chris senior he's chris harris junior <laughs> he's just he's done right so um to go to your last point though i want to read you a list of some of the top linebackers in the league bobby wagner fred warner eric hendricks levante david uh darius leonard um Deion jones again this is this is uh pff but i think it's pretty good uh raekwon smith dante hightower all right with the yeah. exception of those last two um are you talking about alexander johnson who was undrafted as well with the exception of those last two in the top 10 all of, all of them were drafted in the second round or later so you do not need to draft a running a linebacker in the first round. They do not pan out. They're not good value. Second round linebacker, sure. Give me honestly, I don't want to see that. I want to see the best available player at interior defensive line, at defensive edge, at right tackle, rush, yeah. at cornerback. Any of those honestly, even wide receiver. I would take or running back almost. I'd almost take a first round <laughs> running back. Like our running backs behind. Like, you know me. I've been a Justin Jackson or not Justin Jackson. I uh Sorry, a, a, a Josh Kelly uh, believer and uh, an apologizer the entire time, and he just looks so bad. I'm sorry, he just he is not it. Justin Jackson is great number two, but he is just he can't stay healthy. No. He can't be available, right? He gets what he got two runs last week, had a big run, and then he was done for the rest of the. I just I can't even with him. I mean, he's done. So <laughs> honestly, if they don't draft a running back, maybe they should sign. There's a guy who's coming up on his contract. He's, he's averaging something like 75, 80 yards a game, almost a touchdown a game. He's in our own division. He might be worth the contract. His name's Melvin Gordon. Bring Gordon back. Woo! Bring Gordon back. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I've got, I've got some interference in my uh, ears. <laughs> wow. That is the biggest news. We're going to have to get that trended. Bring Gordon back. I just, wow. I mean, could you imagine, like, could you imagine Gordon complimenting Eckler? I mean, they work so well. To, they work so well together. We've seen it in the past. They're so good together. Get Gordon in there. All right. You know what Gordon was really good at? Doing exactly what Eckler's good at, and that's avoiding the initial tackler in the backfield. And guess what? We have a lot of tacklers in the backfield. So just just what did, bring him back. I mean, what did Baker Mayfield say? Uh, you know, with the Browns, do whatever it takes to win within the confines of the law of the game. And if, look, if Gordon came back, that's a massive, massive shout out, massive kahunas. I'm just going to turn down the heat in the uh, conservation side. But 
Look, we, we have <laughs> I've been got upstaged, Mr. Ayers. We have. We, we, look, we've got some serious decisions to make in the off-season. And we don't want to start tanking or anything like that. But we've. Th- this is a problem that we're in at the minute as a Chargers. We've got a very, very good chance of winning the division. But we also need to start bringing in our rookies, giving Anderson a bit more game time, Parham a bit more game time, because we've got to evaluate these players ready for the 2022 season. You know, and those two aforementioned tight ends did a great job on Sunday blocking, not just their their ability to catch the football, but, you know, it's now time to start bringing in those fringe players, giving them more game time. What does that mean? Well, that could have a detrimental effect on on the actual strategy and the outcome of the game. But this is why the likes of Brandon Staley and his coaching staff get paid the big money to make those decisions. And quite frankly, there's, there's no wonder they're working 20 hours a day to figure this one out. You know, the, the Chargers are a good football team. They're not, they're not the best in the league. They're not, they're not basement, you know, garbage uh, football team. They're a good football team with potential to be even better. But a lot of this now boils on who we draft and who can stay healthy. Going back to Chris Harris, here's one for both of you. He's the wrong side of 30. He's had a few knocks in his career. He's had, he's had a couple of injuries at the charge. Is he now thinking, do you know what? I just want to see my retirement, be healthy, spend time with the family. That could be in the back of his mind. And if it is, that could it's be time. affecting... Yeah, it's, it's his time. Look, and do you blame these guys? You know, we all know what the uh, implications are of playing in the National Football League. You know, uh, we've all seen uh, the, the documentaries, read the stories of players that have suffered... Um, the long-term effects of playing the game. Uh, and I, I'm not saying for one minute that Harris Jr. is ducking out of tackles or, or he's not putting 100% in, but it could be a, a factor as why we're not seeing the player that Denver had. Yep, very, very true. So, guys, this is really, really preempting some amazing off-season content that we're going to be having after the Super Bowl, into March, all the way through up into the draft when things really heat up because we're going to have big debates about what on earth Telesco is going to do to make this team better. You know, the Chargers moved to five and three, re- uh, five and two. Sorry, really impressive uh, top of the division uh, and right there in the sea, up there. You, in the top you were right, seeds. five and three, <laughs> five and three. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, I, I, I'm really impressed with with, with the win. Um, and you know, we, we've just set the world alight by John Ayres saying that Melvin Gordon bring Gordon back. Wow, we'll get that hashtag trending, see if we can't get the heat off me. <laughs> no, maybe you can blame it on Nomeo Great. Oh, bring, bring Gordon back, <laughs> whispering in my ear all the time. <laughs> Amazing, guys. Anything else before we wrap up the Eagles victory? No, just super excited for Sunday now. Vikings, let's get back to um, winning ways two on the bounce. That'd be great. Home field advantage. Let's do it. This is Rashawn Slater, first round draft pick for the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Bolt up. (laughs) 